So we are in sermon number two in a series entitled Hell, the Forgotten Truth. And so we'll pick up where we uh, left off last week. Um, I got to tell you, this has, been, um, this has been a hard series to prepare for. Uh, it's been a hard series to think about because as I have prepared these messages and developed these different um, points that I want to make, I think about people I love, people who are in my family, people who are my friends and acquaintances who do not know Christ as Savior. And, and um, I become emotional in my study time. And last night at the bridge when I was bringing this message, I was unexpectedly emotional, and I may be today, as I think about those I love who do not know the Lord, and seemingly at this point have no interest in Him, and have no interest in His Word, have no interest in the truth. And they have, um, they almost have angry attitudes toward things godly. Uh, bitterness toward the church, and um, they have their eyes on people, it seems, many times, rather than on uh, the Word of God and the God of the Word of God, and so they become disillusioned, or they try to find some excuse, some judgment, uh, ju- uh, uh, they want to uh, justify, rather, um, their rejection of Christ, and so my heart breaks, and I hope your heart breaks today. I hope that as I bring this very difficult message, and I, I've got to tell you, I'm going to say something about a sermon series I've never, ser- I've never said before. I've been a pastor of this church 18 years. I've never said what I'm about to say. I'll be glad when this series is finished. I'll be glad when I don't have to study this as intently anymore because it's hard. It's hard to think about this. I'm going to say some things today that you're going to find hard to accept you're going to find hard to believe. I'm going to say some things today that you may have to say, Pastor, I love you, but I don't know if I can believe that. I've got, to, I've got to process that one some before I can say amen, and that's fine. That's fine because I'm telling you, as I've studied some of these things and read some of these things, I have, I have um, I've struggled with some things that the Word of God says. So let's pick up and... Um, Remember that last week we talked about this subject and how difficult it is to talk about. At the same time, it is the missing message in today's church. And um, I believe that as a result of not talking about this more and not preaching on this and not just this topic, but I think we need to preach more uh, about the coming of the Lord in the last days and remind people that, that that is where we are and we need to live as if we're in the last days. We need to walk with Christ as if we're in those last days. I I think that's a topic that needs to be preached on more than it is. One writer said the reason we have so much so-called hell in our world is because we have so little of it being talked about from the pulpits of the world. We need to sound the alarm. It is a responsibility of the local church to sound the alarm, and I hope that this series does that, at least for our church, and those who will attend during this series. I want to direct this message to believers because most Christians I know are not sufficiently motivated to share Christ. And you may think that what we would do uh, in this series is we would focus on making sure unbelievers hear this and, 
and they, they come to Christ in our worship services, and we hope that happens. If you're here today and, and you don't know where you are with God, or you're here today and, and you're sure that you have not made things right with God, then we hope you will hear the word of the Lord today about this place called hell. Because hell is a real place, and people really go there. And so we want uh, the truth of this to touch your heart and And we're not trying to scare anybody into coming to Christ. And we're not trying to scare anybody into serving the Lord. But I'll tell you one thing. I would rather be scared into serving the Lord and be ready when he calls for me than to not know him when he calls for me. And so it's vitally important that if you're here today and you're you're without God, that you hear this message and you respond and receive the Lord into your life today. And also let me remind those of you who are Christians that your heart ought to be stirred to witness to your family and to witness to your friends. Sometimes we don't have boldness and we don't know what we will sound like and and we don't want to be embarrassed. I, I, I feel that. Listen, I'm not up here pointing any fingers. There are times when I ought to be more bold in my witness and telling people about Jesus Christ, but I hold back because of the rejection I know I might suffer or even the mockery that I know I might suffer. But if I saw that same friend or family member about to be um, run over by a car or about to be injured in some other way, I wouldn't care what I sounded like or what I looked like. I would do whatever it took to rescue them so they would not be injured physically. I think we need to be bolder as we, as we try to reach out to those who are going to be destroyed eternally, eternally. Think about that forever and ever. What are the motivations that, that drive us as Christians to witness? And of course, we talked about this a little bit last week, and that is the love of Jesus that is in us. If you've accepted Christ as your, if you've accepted him as your personal savior, then he is inside of you. He is in your heart. The Bible describes it that way. And so, and so his attributes begin to, to come out of you in the way you talk and in the way you act. And so we are filled with his love and we understand how much he loves us. And, and the more we understand that, and, and that's why you need to come to the cross and the crown, because we're gonna, we're gonna show you. In about an hour, a little over an hour presentation, a a, a little demonstration, a picture, a biblical picture of what Jesus did for you and how much he loves you. And you understand how much he loves you and he is inside of you now. So now you're loving like you've never loved and you care like you've never cared. And people you used to be able to pass by without noticing them. Now all of a sudden, because you are a Christian, you can't walk by that person and not notice them anymore. And when you're at the mall, you don't see people the way you used to see people. Now as you sit there in the mall, because that's what I do when I go to the mall, I sit there and let Millie do all the other stuff. But as I'm sitting there in the mall, I just watch people go by and I wonder, does he know the Lord? Does she know the Lord? And I see the world differently because Jesus lives in me. His Holy Spirit lives in me. I've been filled with his love. I've been filled with his Holy Spirit. And so I view the world differently and I think about the world differently. That's how it ought to be. Man, as we see people who are broken, as we see people whose lives are are being destroyed by the enemy, we can't pass them by. We can't just walk by and ignore them. But like the four men in Mark 2, we have to bring them to Jesus.
But that isn't the only thing that motivates us. Look what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.11. And this is the purpose of this sermon. In 2 Corinthians 5.11 it says, well let me look at this side. I think I can read it over here. Knowing the terror of the Lord. When we know the terror, when we understand the terror, when pastor preaches a message reminding us of the awfulness, the horribleness, if that's a word, of hell, then it reminds us that we, we are moved, we are persuaded, we, we are stirred by God that it is our responsibility as Christians to persuade men to come to God, to persuade men and women and boys and girls to come to God. Can I tell you all uh, this morning that uh, our teenagers... Our student ministry is experiencing revival. I want to tell you that out in the big metal building back there behind the fort, I'm hearing reports from Jared Grantham, who is our student ministries pastor, the young man who stands here and leads you in worship every Sunday. He's telling me about what God is doing and how our young people are, are not just coming to the altar for some little prayer, but they're lingering in the altar and they're seeking the face of God. And, and he told me the other Wednesday night that some of the kids who live around our church in the community, and we're very excited about that because it, it, it's a little, it's a little uh, disturbing to me that we would be reaching kids in Goldsboro, but we're not reaching kids right here beside our church. Are you guys with me? And so, and so he told me about these kids from our community who didn't come to youth meeting, but they came after youth meeting to just hook up with some of their friends. But when they saw what was happening in the altar, they joined in, and some of them gave their heart to the Lord after church. How cool is that? Isn't that awesome? <clears throat> that was pathetic. I want more applause. I'm telling you. We ought to be excited about it as a church. That lives are being changed on this property, but not just on this property. Outside, as we reach out this coming Saturday, we're going to the park in Goldsboro, Stony Creek Park. It's across the street from the bridge, and we're just going to pass out water. The city is having an event there uh, to get people to um, uh, do healthier things and take care of themselves in, in a better way physically. So we're going to set up a tent and the bridge is going to represent, but you can still volunteer. And we're just going to pass out water for free. And we're just going to be Jesus. We're not going to try to stuff the gospel down anybody's throat. Or we're not going to stand up on a box and preach and yell at people. We're just going to love. And we're just going to reach out. And we're just going to say we love you. And we're hoping that in being Jesus and showing Jesus that they will say, Who are you? And, and why are you doing this? And then we'll share with them what Jesus has done for us. And how we want to just bless them. We have a responsibility to reach out. You see, evil men, the Bible says in Proverbs 20 and 8, do not understand judgment. And evil men there doesn't mean men who are, who are evil and wicked in the sense of abuse or murder or, or being a thief or, or, or hurting somebody. It doesn't mean that kind of evil. If you do a word study of evil men, it just means people who will not receive the truth of God's word. It says people who will not receive the truth of God's word don't understand things like the topic of hell. And so they can't stand it when you try to talk about hell as being a literal place. They don't want to deal with that. 
And so they try to think of other theologies and they try to come up with their own ideas about hell. You heard some of them right up there when we were watching the video clip. People talking about how it's a state of mind. And I don't know if you saw it, but the, but the little girl said, you know, pop culture says it is a lake of fire that you go to forever and ever. No, sweetheart, not pop culture. The Word of God says that. The Bible says that. And I know this is something we don't want to think about and we don't want to talk about and we don't want to focus on. But I'm telling you, if we're going to be the church God wants us to be, we've got to sound the alarm because hell is a real place. And men and women and boys and girls really do go there. So the only thing you really know about the afterlife and the only thing I really know about it, the only thing anybody really knows about it is what God, God's Word says. Because as one writer told us, one ounce of what God says is worth more than a ton of what some philosopher or anybody else says. So you can reject this message or you can ignore it or you can believe it and do something about it. The thing that I want to remind you of is that death and eternity and talking about that, we may, we may have some people sitting here this morning, and again, God forbid, I'm not trying to scare you, but it is a reality. You do not know when your number's coming up. You do not know when it's going to happen. Someone told me a story just recently of a teenager, just recently, I hadn't heard about it, going uh, down a road, and they knew, they knew kids in our church. Uh, and, and their life was just taken from them just immediately. You know, we, I, I think when we're young, we think that we have so much time, but we don't know. Do you know Johnston County? There are more teen deaths by wrecks than any other county in the state. I don't know why that is, but, but that ought to bring it home to us here. It ought to wake us up and make us realize that we don't know. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 20 and 3 that there is but a step between me and death. Just a heartbeat between me and death. Well, we found out last week as we began to look at some of the distinctives of hell or some of the characteristics of hell, what hell is like. We found out, number one, that hell is a place of vile association. See, when we think about hell, we think about the flame and we think about the lake of fire and, and all of that. And we think about how horrible that will be. And certainly you ought to think about that. And we're even going to talk more about that next Sunday. But we wanted you to know, or I wanted you to know, that, that, that there's more that's going to make it a horrible place other than just the fire. And that is who you're going to be with there. You're going to be with every ungodly person who has ever lived in history, who is living and will ever live. You are going to spend eternity with those people. Think of the most horrible people who have ever lived on the face of this earth, the Saddam Husseins, the Hitlers, and, and the Mussolinis, and we could go on and on and on. Uh, uh, Idi Amin, all the people who have done so much to hurt so many people, you will be with them for eternity. But not only them, the Bible says the devil himself, Satan, is going to end up there. He isn't there now, but he's going to end up there for eternity. And when he goes, he will not be the Lord of hell or the master of hell or the king of hell. He will be in the lake of fire with everyone else incarcerated, going through what everyone else who is there will be going through. Every demon. When Lucifer fell from heaven, the Bible says angels followed him without number. 
And every one of them became his hordes of demon powers and influence. And the Bible says that Jesus said it with his own mouth, that hell was made for the devil, what? And his angels. We've studied that last week. So what are we talking about today? Well, not only is hell a place of, of vile company and bad associations, but hell is a place of separation from all that's godly. See, what's going to make hell so awful is not who you're going to be with, not just that, but who you're not going to be with, who you're never going to see again, who you're never going to be with again. You say, Pastor, how can you talk about this? Because I love you, and I want you to have a renewed vision of this horrible place, and I want it to motivate you to share the gospel. Well, let's talk about heaven for just a minute. Would that be okay? Everybody's like, yeah, give me a break. All right, Revelation 21, 27, here's what it says about heaven. It says, nothing evil will be there. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter heaven. Isn't that awesome? No one who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the what? Lamb's book of life. See, the lamb there is Jesus. And, and the Bible talks about the Lamb's Book of Life. And, and, and it's not an actual big book with an ink pen and somebody, or one of those feathers you dip in the ink, you know. And it's not like that in, in, in a literal sense. But in the mind of God, there is a record of those who have received Christ. Listen to me, listen to me right here. There is a record in the mind of God of those who have said, I cannot save myself. I cannot do enough good things. I cannot do enough good deeds. I cannot give enough good money. I cannot, uh, I cannot feed enough poor people. I, I cannot do enough to save myself. Only Jesus can save me. No other uh, God or, or no other uh, God that has been named of men can save me. There is only one true and living God, and it is Jesus Christ, the God of the Bible. And I receive him as my personal Savior. And I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. I have been running from you, sir. And I have been making excuses, sir. But I am only messing up my life more and more. And I'm going deeper and deeper into the pit. And God, I, I cry out to you. And the Bible says in Psalm 40 that when a person does that and they stop trying to find salvation in other ways and they only come to Jesus. In Psalm 40 it says he reaches down into the mud. He reaches down into the mire and the muck of sin and he takes hold of your hand because he, you are reaching up. And the Bible says he pulls you up and out of a horrible pit and sets your feet on a rock and establishes your going, and you become one of his children. Hear me this day. You are not born one of his children. You are born alienated from God because of the sin of Adam. When you are born, you are born needing a Savior. People say, oh, I don't believe that. I believe that I am a Christian, and I believe that I'm born, and we're all God's kids. Then tell me why in the book of Romans do you have to be adopted into the family? The book of Romans teaches us that we must be adopted because we are not his children. So my question to you today is, have you been adopted into the family? Oh, come on, pastor, God's everybody's father. No, he is not. 
He is the father only of those who have said, I need you and want you and desire your son Jesus in my life. And when you receive Jesus Christ into your life, your elder brother who died on the cross and paid the penalty for your sin, then God becomes your father. Then you're adopted into the family of God. So the Bible says uh, that, that if your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, then it means you've not been converted. You've not been, uh, to use biblical terminology, you've not been saved. You've not been born again. You have not received that new life in Christ. When you receive Christ, you receive a new life in Christ. And then your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And when you stand before God at the end of your time, God will look at you and say, come in, not because you did anything, but because you accepted accepted my son and believed on my son. Hear that, church. Hear it. And I know this is simple, and I know you've heard it. You say, Pastor, this is nothing that I don't already know. I understand that. But let your mind be refreshed in this gospel truth. And maybe there's someone here who hasn't heard this message today, and they need to hear it. Well, the Bible talks about those who end up in hell and don't go to heaven. Jesus talks about it and speaks of how they'll be separated from the saints. Guys, put the next scripture up there, Luke uh, 13 and 28. I want you to look at this scripture. Look at this verse. It says, that's when you'll find yourselves out in the cold. See, at the end of time, at the end of your time, at the end of time, you will, you will be lost for eternity. Now, now, this is the part that is hard for you to grasp. But there will be no hope for you at that point. Now, there is hope this morning. But I'm telling you of a day that is coming that there will be no hope. I've told my son, you all know my son, my youngest son. and You know the trouble my youngest son has been in. and My, my youngest son has, has battled tremendously with drugs and addiction. I've told my son before, there's going to come a day, son, I can't help you. There's going to come a day you're going to call on the phone, and I cannot go to you. I cannot rescue you. I cannot help you. And I'm telling you, there is going to come a day when you're going to be out in the cold. Look at that next line. A stranger to grace. See, grace is here this morning. Mercy's here this morning. It's like Noah when he stood on the side of that boat and said, get on. Get on the boat. Get on the boat. It's going to rain. And they mocked. And they laughed and they ridiculed him. Just like they laugh and mock and ridicule us as we stand in pulpits of America every Sunday and proclaim this gospel truth that I'm preaching here today. And people mock us. And people laugh at us. But the Bible says, as the rain began to fall into the ground, who shut the door? God shut the door. Noah didn't shut the door to the boat. God shut the door. You know what I think? I think when that water began to come up to their waist, because the Bible says not only was it raining, but water was coming up out of the ground. They began to beat on the side of that boat. Noah, we're sorry, Noah. We believe now, we believe now, Noah opened the door. You know what I believe? I believe he would have opened it. 
I believe Noah was probably on the other side saying, get it down, get it down, get it down. But he couldn't open the door because God had shut the door. The Bible says there will come a day when you'll find yourself out in the cold. And you can laugh at this message and mock this message all you want to. And you can call Whitley Church a holy roller church or you can call us whatever you want to. But I'm just telling you, you're going to be out in the cold one day and you're going to be a stranger to grace. And you'll watch Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and all the prophets march into God's kingdom. Next verse. You'll watch outsiders stream in from the east and the west and the north and the south and sit down at the table of God's kingdom. That's what I want to do, don't you? I want to be in that group. And all the time, you'll be outside looking in and wondering what happened. i, I tell you what you'll be wondering. Why did I laugh at pastor's message on hell? Why did I decide when... He preached that sermon on hell. I'm never going back to that church again. I don't want to hear that stuff. That's what will happen when you get to that place right there. Let's go to the next point. The next thing I want you to notice about hell is not only the people you will be with in hell and not only the people you will not be with if you end up in hell, but I want you to know this morning that hell is a place of eternal darkness. Now, I've got to tell you all something. I don't even know what that means. I've studied this thing, and I don't even know what this really means. The Bible talk calls it outer darkness. When I read that, I wondered, was there inner darkness? I don't know what this is, really. Revelation 21 and 23 describes heaven, though, and Revelation 21, 23 says this city, the city of heaven, does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light. Is that not awesome? For the Lamb, who's that? Is the lamp. Isn't that cool? The Lamb is the lamp. I want to go there. That's where I want to be. I want to be in heaven where the light is. You know, heaven's going to be a place of fantastic beauty. I was thinking as I was preparing this message yesterday, I probably should have done a series on heaven right after this, kind of soothe everybody's wounds, you know. We'll get to that one. You know, I don't think God wants our wounds soothed so quickly. Hey, can I just say this right here? Can I do a little parentheses right here in the middle of this sermon? Do you know God doesn't want you to feel good every time you leave church? We want you to be blessed. We want you to be encouraged. We want you to leave lifted up. But sometimes we need to leave with a heaviness and a soberness. And this is one of those times. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. Hear the word of the Lord. The book of Jude has no chapter. So Jude verse 13 says about hell, their shameful deeds show up like foam on wild ocean waves. That means they're going to be uh, reminded in hell. You're going to be reminded of the things you did and, and how you rebelled against God and how you shook your fist in God's face. And the Bible says they are like, <laughs> excuse me, they are like wandering stars forever doomed in the what? Darkest pits of hell. And I got to tell you, I don't really know what that means. I'm like the, the guy who's up on the video. Ain't nothing good there. I can tell you that. Did you hear what he said? 
He said, I don't know much about it, but I can tell you this ain't nothing good. I'm like right on brother. Matthew 8, 12, look what it says, words of Jesus. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I really don't know. I really don't know what all that means. Have you ever been um, like on a vacation in the mountains and you went to one of those caverns? You ever been to one of those? And they go, okay, everybody, you need to put your hand on somebody beside you or put your hand on the wall because we're about to turn the lights out and you ain't seen dark in your life till we turn these lights out. And they turned the lights out, and I didn't have my hands on anybody. I thought, you know, I'm big and bad. And I said, I'm putting my hand on anybody. I don't need my hand. Honestly, it was so dark, I felt like I was falling. See, I don't know what it means that it's going to be, I don't know what it means that there's going to be fire, but it's going to be dark. I just know that's what the Bible says. I, I, I just think about the pitch blackness And then I think about what will we be hearing. The Bible says there will be weeping. Nonstop. 24-7 weeping and wailing. And the word gnashing really means grinding of teeth. I'm just saying to you what the Word of God says. The Bible says midnight, the darkness may endure for a season, but what? Joy comes in the morning. See, what I'm saying to you is that that verse will no longer apply in hell. There will be no more mornings. There will will be no more glorious sunrise. There will be no more twinkling stars. There will be no more lustrous moonlight. Outer darkness. Outer darkness. Darkness is a scary thing. I remember one time in a church I pastored, we were doing some construction work. We were upgrading and, um, (coughs) excuse me, doing some remodeling. And I went over, it was about twilight, the sun was about to go down, I wanted to go over and see what progress had been made during the day. And I was looking around and I got in there and kind of got, you know, in all those, uh, they had put the walls up, kind of like the bridge is right now, except there were more walls, it was a bigger thing. And um, I was in there and all of a sudden it was just dark. And you know, I was just trying to feel my way and get out and uh, there was just a little bit of light and I saw somebody. And I said, um, I said, hey, how you doing? And the person said nothing back. And, uh, you know, I ain't much to me, but what there was kind of just bowed up a little bit, you know. And I was like, <laughs> I was hoping it was a, a little lady, little old lady. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so I thought, well, <clears throat> I, I mean, I really felt, you know, what you feel. When, when you're in a room with somebody and they won't say anything to you and, and the guy was big and ugly and, and I stepped forward and when I stepped forward he moved toward me and boy I'm ready now and then I got a little glimmer of light and it was a mirror it was me I was, 
darkness is scary. If you die without Jesus, you'll go to hell. And I love you. I love you. I love you. You say, well, I want to go somewhere. I don't have to hear this. I heard a boy, heard about a boy one time who uh, uh, was on his way out of the house for a night of partying. Now, as he was walking out the door, <clears throat> his mom had laid a track on his jacket so that when he picked his jacket up, He'd see that gospel track. And she was hoping he would read it and become convicted and not go out because she knew he knew he had grown up in Sunday school and he had been in church when he was a little boy, but now he was running from God. And he picked that gospel track up. He saw what it was and he crumpled it up. He said, when I left my office today to go get in my car, a man was standing out in front of our building handing these things out. He said, so when I, I go to work, somebody's trying to give me this. I come home, you're talking all about this. You're handing out little pamphlets you want me to read. Where can I go? Where can I go that I don't have to hear this anymore? She said, you can go to hell, and you will never hear it again. She said, I love you, son. But when you go to hell, you won't have to hear it anymore. Now, now watch me, because I'm done. This is it. See, if you get saved, it'll be on this side. See, I'm telling you, once you get on that side, there's no hope. You're a stranger to grace. Here's what I'm saying. The boat, the door of the boat is open this morning. And I'm preaching and telling you to get on the boat and you can mock and ridicule and say, I can't wait till I get out and get my car and get my music going and and so I got to do something so I can forget about all this and push it out of my mind. Here's what I'm saying to you. There will be a day when you will beat on the side and say, I'll come in now. I'll come in now if you'll let me come in now. But there'll be no hope for you then. I know that's hard. I know some people call that, call that hell, fire, and brimstone preaching. I'll tell you what it is. It's the word of the living God to you. You say, what kind of man would preach something like this? The kind of man who loves your eternal soul. That's the kind of man who will bring this message. I love your soul. And I don't want you to stand before God one day and look at God and go, you know, if the preacher would have just not watered it down. I mean, if he would have just told us like it was then I wouldn't be here lost before you today, dear Lord. But, but my pastor watered it down, and he made it, he made it easier than it really was. And, and he didn't want to offend anybody, and he didn't want anybody to stop coming to church. So he kind of watered it down so everybody could swallow it easily. And I, I thought I had enough. You see, I don't want you to say that. I'd rather you be angry at me right now and eventually come to the knowledge of this truth than for you to walk up here afterward and say, thank you for making it so simple, so easy, so not demanding. Thank you for not making it so horrible, so terrible. I just want you to know how it is. And this is what the word of the Lord says. Let's pray. If you do not know the Lord today as your personal Savior, I want you to receive him today. I want you to just say to him, Lord, I, I've been running from you and I've been making excuses. And I need you to come into my life, Lord. 
Pastor Farrell's message, your word, nothing to do with pastor, but your word, God, has, has pricked my heart today. And I've been putting off and I've been talking about hypocrites in the church and I've been talking about all these reasons why I won't give my life to you. But Lord, I realize now those are futile. They're, they, are, they are sorry excuses because none of the things that I'm using for an excuse are going to matter when I stand before you on the last day. So Jesus, I receive you into my heart today. And I know if I don't have you in my heart, I'm going to hell when I die. And I don't want to go to hell when I die. I want my old mom who prayed for me, I want to be there with her. I want my dad who prayed for me, I want to be there with him. And pastor talked about there coming a day when he couldn't help his son, and I don't want there to come a day when God can't help me anymore. When God reaches over and turns the volume off so he can't hear my cry. But God, I know you hear me today, and I know the boat to the ark is open today. God, I'm walking in. I'm coming in. I'm coming in. I'm coming in right now. Jesus, put your arms around me right now, Jesus, and forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and save my soul. And I promise you, Lord, I'm going to get in church, and I'm going to study your word, and I'm going to start hanging around good, godly people, and and I'm going to start doing things to get my life in the right direction. And, and the first step is that I receive you as Lord and Savior of my life. And I do it right now. You died for me. You rose from the dead for me. Come into my heart right now. Just say that. Say that to Jesus right now. You don't have to beg him. You don't have to plead with him. You don't have to convince him. All you have to do is ask him. Ask him. He's waiting for you to ask him. Invite him. See, the Bible says he stands at the door and knocks. He stands at the door and knocks. And the handle to that door is not on the outside. It's on the inside. You have to open it. You have to open that door. Open it right now and invite Jesus into your life. Right there where you are. And we're going to open the altar and you can come and we'll pray with you. But I didn't want you to be intimidated. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you got to walk up to the front and shake the preacher's hand and all that business. It doesn't say that anywhere. I think at some point you need to tell somebody and testify what's happened in your life. And the rest of you who know Christ, I want you to think about that lost family member. Think about that lost friend. And let's lift them up. Pray for them. Whisper their name right now. Just whisper their name and say, Lord, save their soul and use me to do it. Use me, Lord, to bring them to you. Would you all stand to your feet this morning? Would you just bow your head for one more minute and just close your eyes for me? Would you do that for me? Just bow your head. Bow your head. No one looking around, please, I beg you. If you prayed that prayer to receive Christ and make things right with God today, would you just put your hand up and put it right back down and say, I made things right today. God bless you. God bless you. Bless you. Thank God. Now, church, look at me. What we've declared here in our church this morning is the truth of the Word of God. And ask God now to, to constrain you with His love to share the truth, share the love of Jesus with your family and your friends. Ask God for this. Say, God, make me bolder. Make me bolder. Don't let me cower down when the opportunity arises. Help me to be able to say, God, to others what you've done for me. 
If you all would like prayer, if anybody would like prayer, we're going to keep the altar open. There will be prayer ministers here. They'll be happy to pray with you. We're so glad you came. Visitors and guests, please pick up a, a gift bag before you leave. Thanks for coming to Whitley today. God bless you.